When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. Be sure to leave the lights on while you listen. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. You're listening to the all-new Darker Projects 4.0. Old favorites, new episodes, only at darkerprojects.com. And now, an original feature presentation. Darker Projects presents Tales from the Museum, Season 2. Series written by Charles Russell, starring Perry Whittle as Keith Nash. Another adventure from the case files of Jenna Toombs, Private Investigator. With Keith Nash as McCoy, Professor Stein as Bascom, Casey as Foster, Phil as Phil, the Screaming Woman as herself, and featuring Helene Mancuso as Jenna Toombs, Private Investigator. Mancuso, 
This is Phil at the security desk. Hello, Phil. Will you be working late tonight? Yes, Phil. There's some paperwork to finish. I have my key card, so you guys can go ahead and lock up. Right. Just stop by the desk on your way out. Will do. Bye. Let's see now. It was late at night beneath a stormy sky. The storm had blown over the mountains and was now at work drenching the city in a heavy downpour. It was as if the storm was trying to wash away the sins of the city. On the 13th floor of the ancient Castiers building, there was one light on. It was in the corner office, Office 1324, Jenna Toomes, Private Investigations. Since opening the office a year ago, Jenna Toomes had developed a reputation. She was the one to call for those jobs. You know the ones. The jobs where the cops can't help. The jobs where nobody can help. Nobody but her. No one knew much about her. She acted like a cop, but she had the brain of a scientist. Add a fit body, and she became one lethal package. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Jenna Toomes was pulling a late one in her office. Three days earlier, she had recovered a Picasso stolen from a local collection. The owner was grateful and gracious, but he wanted a full written report before he paid up. Jenna hated office work, but if you want to get paid in this business, you do what you've got to do. Still, it did not bother her when the telephone rang and gave her the excuse to stop typing. Tombs Investigations. Hey, babe. You doing anything right now? Nothing much. Don't call me babe. Shot a guy once for doing that. <laughs> I remember. Back in the good old days when you tried to quit smoking. Listen, Toots. Can you come over to my place? I got some work for you. What kind of work? Can't talk over the phone. Bad for business. Come over to my house. I'll leave the front door open. Jenna Toomes stood and shrugged into her custom-made shoulder holster. Her trusty pair of matched Walter PPK pistols were secured, one beneath each arm. Then she slipped into her tailored trench coat and put on her fedora. Before leaving her office, the private eye took a moment to survey herself in the mirror. She would leave the building sure in the knowledge that she was probably the most dangerous creature in the city. Jenna strolled out the front door of the building. The storm had died off to a drizzle. Her 1962 Mustang was parked near a street lamp. Jenna had never really liked Bascombe. He was a slightly dishonest county commissioner. But they had known each other since the old days. And he was good to throw her the occasional job. Bascombe's office was in a shiny new building near City Hall. Jenna parked her car in the space marked reserved for city staff and walked up to the front door. At the security desk, a sleepy guard looked up from a newspaper and said, Hey, Doc. What's up? Casey. I didn't see you there. I was getting ready to check out and Phil told me you were still here. Working on your story again? Starting over again is more like it. I think this is the fifth time. Your approach? Well, I talked to my writer friend Astrid... She told me that maybe I should try to fictionalise it. 
that way I can work in the characters and the details without trying to over-document it. I read that last article you wrote. You did over-document that just a bit. You read that? Casey, I'm surprised. I've read a lot of your stuff. So, where is Andrew up? The Screaming Woman. Good one. Am I in it? Yes. Well, let me know how it turns out. Just try to make me look good. As soon as I figure it out myself. Just don't tell Nash, okay? Why? He's not going to laugh at you or anything. I know. It's just that... Don't worry about it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go hide out for the weekend. Hide out? Yeah. My ex-girlfriend is in town. Really don't want to see her. Jenna Toombs found herself being escorted to the private offices of R.J. Bascombe, attorney at law. The heavyset attorney was sitting at his massive oak desk. There was another man in the room. He stood silently at one of the floor-to-ceiling windows that looked out at the city. His hands were clasped behind his back. Bascombe stood as she entered the room. Gina, so glad you can make it so soon. You call... I come. It's always been the deal. Indeed it was. Drink? Not if this is a business call. To business, then. What do you know about the regional museum? It's in Johnson City. A big, spooky-looking place downtown. Pretty interesting. I took my nephew there a few weeks ago. There's something at the museum. Something we're very interested in. So, what is it? A sculpture. A very expensive Very sought after, very cursed sculpture. It's called The Screaming Woman. Stolen? Actually, no. It's part of a traveling art exhibit set to open at the regional next week. Our concern is the thing's legend or curse. Ever hear of an artist named Delane? No. She was brilliant. She bust on a scene at the San Francisco Expo. In 1965, extreme attention to detail. Over a 20-year span, she turned out nearly 40 pieces, life-sized pieces, all of the women in poses of excruciating pain and torment. Early childhood trauma? She never said. Anyway, the screaming woman was the last piece she finished. She finished it that morning and died that evening. The story goes that her tormented soul is trapped inside that piece of marble. You can hear her statue screaming on the anniversary of Delane's death when it falls on the night of a full moon. Like tonight. He speaks. Gina, there's someone I would like you to meet. I recognize him. Hugh McCoy, you own the local TV station. That's right. It's like this, babe. Some of the local spiritualists, nutcases... We're going to do a seance out there at the site tonight. They wanted to set Delane so free. Huge here sent a crew out to film said seance. It was supposed to be shown on a live at five thing on Friday. But there's been a problem. Problem? What sort of problem? The sort of problem where we lost contact with our people. We were receiving telemetry up until three hours ago... Then everything went blank. So, they lost power. Batteries and a backup generator. Weather interference? Our systems function through blizzards and tornadoes. Cell phones? No answer. Then we sent another crew up to check it out. 
They called in to say they'd arrived at the museum. Then nothing. Uh-huh. So you guys want me to... We want you and a couple others to go find out what happened. Others? Who else? One of my technicians. His name's Foster. And me. You? Those people are my responsibility. I approved of them going out there for this story. Whatever happened, it's on me. How very noble. Besco, did you talk to this guy? I told him how easy it is to get hurt around you. I even told him how expensive you are. He didn't listen. Your funeral, Mr. McCoy. Get your tech and let's roll. Jenna followed McCoy downstairs to the private parking lot where they met with Foster. McCoy led them to a hummer. No, another mobile unit. No. Ah. McCoy led them to his own vehicle, a Jeep Liberty. No. A Range Rover. That's good. Parked near the entrance, Jenna climbed into the shotgun seat. Foster took the back seat. McCoy started the engine and pulled out into the light traffic. What's your connection to Bascom? How much do you know about him? I did legal work for my father. I know he was with the government for a while. He was a trade envoy or a cultural attaché, something. I always thought it sounded like a CIA cover story. It was. Oh. And you? Bascom was the control officer for a group of six agents in Europe. Their job was to look after American interests in the post-Soviet world. I was the rookie. In 1998, the agency shut the op down. The group was disbanded. How'd you end up here? It's a long story. Right. One thing I don't get. How do you trap someone's soul in a statue? Well, according to the press kit... Press kit? Uh Uh-huh. The museum sent out a press kit for that sculpture exhibit. Anyway, Delane was dying of cancer. She knew that the screaming woman would be the last piece she would ever finish. Supposedly, she made a comment about how at least the statue could live on. The assistant then takes it upon herself to call up the local coven of witches. Just a second before Delane passes on, they transfer her essence to the statue. Heavy. The story goes that on the anniversary of the transference, if there's a full moon, the statue starts to scream. At midnight, of course. Of course. The first person to own the statue was this rich Greek guy. Statue started screaming one night and he went insane. Kind of makes you wonder what else is in that exhibition, doesn't it? You sound just a little skeptical. He always does. It was a quiet drive after that. McCoy was perfectly content to brood as he drove. He struck Jenna as the brooding type. Foster was in the back seat. He was typing away on his laptop. Every so often he would grunt or mumble. Then... Yes! What? I've just hacked into the mobile unit and the company car. I have a GPS fix. They are at... Map coordinates... Uh, the regional museum. Oh. We knew that. McCoy. Yeah. When did it start? Now tell him. Keep me posted. Foster. Yeah, boss. When we upgraded the systems for the mobile unit last year, was there an automatic distress beacon put in? 
Yeah, it's set up so the mobile unit will signal dispatch if the onboards are switched on, but stay idle for five hours. Well, E.T. just phoned home. That's good news, boss. That means that the mobile unit is still in one piece. What about the crew? Exactly. It was quiet in the Range Rover again. After an hour of driving, McCoy turned the vehicle off of the highway at the downtown exit. Jenna found herself pondering what little information she had. A question occurred to her. The seance was approved by the museum? What do you mean? I mean, did the museum staff know these spiritualist types were coming? Did they know your news crew were coming? How were they going to get in? Yeah, the museum staff knew. I think it was one of their publicity people. Maybe special services. They put the whole thing together. You thinking this is all some sort of stunt? The thought had crossed my mind. Yours too, I'm sure. Turn left. There it is, the regional museum. It's haunted, you know. It's supposed to be crawling with spooks. Gloomy looking place at night. Hey, there's your mobile unit parked out front. Few other cars as well. All right. Everybody stay close and keep your eyes open. Hartley, Jones, you guys in here? Empty. The camera's gone too. See if you can pick up a video feed from it. Right. Nope, it's not on. Your other company car is empty too. So are that minivan and three other vehicles. By the way, has anyone else noticed that the front door of the museum is hanging open? Hey guys, something is really wrong here. Like what? See this meter? It reads EMF. That's electromagnetic fields. Look at the reading. It should be a constant number, but this thing is running up and down the scale. What would cause that? A malfunction? No, not a malfunction. I can think of three things that might cause this. One, we're parked next to a nuclear reactor or a hydroelectric dam. That's out. Or we could be standing on a huge deposit of lodestone. Possible, but I doubt it. Three? Reason or reasons unknown. How much are you paying him? Can you raise anything on the communication systems? No, the EMF is blocking the uplinks. Cell phones, too. Can you believe it? We're in a major city here, but we're cut off electronically. Well, that's nice. Now, if you boys will excuse me, the museum doors are open, and I'm supposed to find your people. What are you doing? What does it look like? I'm going in. You better tag along, boss. I'll see what I can do out here. Hey, Tombs, wait up. Nice of you to join me, McCoy. Hello? Anyone home? Over there, on the floor. A security guard. He's got a pulse. Here, take his flashlight. So, where was the seance supposed to happen? In the East Gallery. I think it's down the main hallway and to the left. Hear that? Hard to miss. Let's go. Over there, beside the wall. Who is she? Her name's Eva Hartley. She was the person we sent out after the mobile unit. Is she... She's breathing. Look at her hands. Broken nails, torn skin. She got into it with something. But what? 
The gallery. Door is locked. Really? Whoa, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, let's see. Cursed statue, seance, news crew, Jenna. Eight people laid out around a pile of rocks. I think that pile of rocks used to be your statue. Now. Now you're ready. Did you say that? (coughs) McCoy, are you... McCoy! He can't hear you. He sleeps. I need him. And I need you. Who are you? What have you done to these people? They are the means to an end. My pathway to my return. What? Why can't I see you? I don't wish you to. But see my hand. Nice of the medium to focus the seance psychic energy at the statue. It gave me the strength to break loose of it. Now they will make the ultimate sacrifice. Sacrifice? You can't do that. They're human beings. No more than pools of life to draw from. Foolish mediums. They thought I would be grateful to Grateful enough to share and bestow arcane knowledge. (sighs) All I seek is a new husk and my freedom. Uh Uh-huh. Nine people imprisoned me in that husk. A husk of cold stone. They thought the dying woman would appreciate the gesture. I suppose they did not know what they had done. Put me in a cold prison, they did. I don't... Wait, are you delaying? I was once. I will be again at midnight. Midnight is within a minute. Their life force will flow out of them and into the ether. Then I shall claim my new body. My new throne. And I shall feast upon their strength. Is that what happened to the woman in the hall? You told her your plan and she ran? Was she on deck to be the new you? Yes, she had spirit and she fought well. But in the end, her mind was way too small to grasp the magnificence I offered. But yours... Yes, yours will do handily. Jenna, too. I don't think so. You have no choice. The hour has come. At the twelfth chime... At the eleventh, I start shooting people. What? I've got twenty bullets here. You need so much life force. I can make sure it doesn't happen. I figure that if I nail two of them... No! It's your call. Hello? You still here? Feel the otter's hands around your throat. I will choke the life from your body. I will 
Jenna's mind fought for consciousness as the phantom hands clutching at her throat released their chokehold. She gasped for breath and tried to clear her head. She looked over at the unconscious people who were neatly laid around the broken statue. But it was something else which caught her attention. Against the far wall was an image. A woman doubled over in pain. Then she was gone, faded into a faint mist, then from view altogether. Perhaps it was Jenna's oxygen-deprived brain working on her. Or maybe the museum had just picked up another ghost for its collection. Well, what do you think? Be brutal. A couple of small things. The Mustang didn't come out until 64. Right. What else? The Walther PPK only packs seven rounds, one chambered and six in the magazine. Unless your girl has custom mags. Other than that, it's pretty good yarn. Really? Thanks. Even though it bears little or no resemblance to what actually happened downstairs, I had the bruises to prove it. We all did, as I recall. Besides, would you believe what actually happened? (laughs) Never in a million years. You gonna write more of these? Possibly, if I can get this one published. Hey, maybe I could write up that thing that happened with the mummy we had in storage. That would be a great story. Yeah, it would. How about we talk about it over lunch? We could catch the buffet at Long Fats. Now you're talking my language. Let's go. The city is a dangerous place. It is home to perils no one should have to experience. But there is one person who has faced them all and lived to fight on. Jenna Toomes. Private Eye. Uh, Helene? You coming? (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Nash. You've been listening to Tales from the Museum, Season 2, Episode 1, The Screaming Woman, written by Charles Russell. This episode featured Captain John Tattersack as Professor Stein, Alistair Stewart as Casey, Dave McIver as Phil, the security guard, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as The Screaming Woman, Amanda Fitzwater as Dr. Helene Mancuso, and Perry Whittle as Keith Nash. The series is produced by Ellie Hirschman. Post-production by the amazing MJ Cogburn. The executive producer for Darker Projects is Eric Busby. This has been a Darker Projects production. The Regional Museum encourages all patrons to refrain from screaming when viewing all exhibits. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. 
Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio. Or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.